Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union, where God's mission is our passion. Today's guest is D.P. Smith. Last week, we learned how D.P. surrendered her life to God and became a missionary. In today's episode, we will continue the conversation with D.P. and hear how God used her in West Africa, South Asia, and continues to use her in ministry at Mississippi College. You applied and God sent you to the Ivory Coast. Yes. And you did art. I worked in, in public. The I worked the Ivory at, Coast. Uh-huh. Santo de Media Batiste. I worked at the Baptist Media Center. Mm-hmm. And we did publication work. Uh, Sunday school material, health material, theological education material, tracks. Uh, all of those kinds of things. So not that I would do it all, but that in conjunction with the Africans who could help it to be what it needed to be, yes. we worked together to do literature and audio and movies for West Africans. You were a little ahead of your time. Actually, there were, there were some others that went out and did some similar kinds of things, but they didn't have a title yeah. of that. So you're in Ivory Coast. How long did you serve there with the Foreign Mission Board, then later became the International Mission Board? Um, well, I was associated with West Africa for right at, from the time that I was appointed, uh, not that I got there because I had to go through France. They were trying to teach this Mississippi mouth how to speak French. And lots of people in Mississippi prayed and all over the nation prayed. <laughs> It was a delight to get to Africa because it was second language for a lot of Africans as well. I don't know exactly what all to say about that, except that God was faithful. Mm-hmm. Language is my worst thing, not my best thing. But you know, God can work even in the midst of our worst things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's kind of daunting sometimes and takes more faith sometimes to do what you don't feel like is your strength, but what he calls. So it was part of the package deal. I'm guessing Africa was a big learning curve for you because type A personality, Mm -hmm. it's it's a little more laid back. Yes. In fact, one of my pastor friends, (laughs) now you have to understand I'm coming from when I had nine power suits and four briefcases and a, a five-year calendar that had stuff on all five years, <laughs> and my daytimer, yes. and and I was always doing that and writing down everything. And finally, yeah, how did that I, work I, out? I, well, I got so tickled one time. My pastor looked at me and he said, "Mademoiselle, can I ask you a question?" I said, "Yes." He said, "You're my friend." I said, "Yes." He said, you're always having to write things down. Can you just not remember anything? (laughs) (laughs) And so at that point, I really thought, because they would remember everything in their head. They would remember it via story. They would remember it because they were trained. And we were trained to write things down. And they were trained to remember. And I was like, hmm, hmm, yeah. I said, you know, that's an excellent question. And so, and we would just laugh. We just laughed all all the time. And I would have sometimes where I would have Africans look at me because I'm a little animated. And they would look at me and they were scared to laugh, you know, because they didn't want to dishonor you, that honor-shame thing. 
And I'd look at him and I could tell what was going on. And I looked at him, I said, oh, it's okay to laugh. My friends in America laugh. And then they would just bust out laughing. Like, <laughs> when we would go to the bank in West Africa, I don't have any problem waiting on the phone for somebody for a nanosecond. We would go and it would be two hours at least stand in the bank line. Because that's the way you did it, to go cash your check. Well, the fun part was we decided, several of us, we would just make it our job to see how many people in that whole room of lines that we could make laugh before it was over. I mean, we would be singing, we would get people giggling, and just, you know, it made a lot more fun. Absolutely. It became your ministry. It really did. And so it was like, where are you? What is your situation? What do you do? Where your feet are planted? That's right. And it just became almost a way of life. So you're serving in Africa, and then God plants your feet back here. How did that happen? Well, that was another interesting turn of events. I did not know when I left in 99 that I was not going back. But I had some, you know, those stirring in the waters. Things were changing. Things were moving around. A lot of situations. I was having a little bit of health issues. And so working with that, I decided to stay home a little bit. Had to have some surgery and was dealing with some medical stuff. And then while I was home, Samuel Marshall Gore, head of the art department at Mississippi College, came to the WMU meeting that was across the street at First Baptist Church, Clinton, Mississippi. Now, I was not expecting Dr. Sam to be in that meeting. But at the end, he said, DP, I want you to come over and see what we're doing in the art department. <laughs> well, you know, I had done almost two degrees under him, and I thought I was like, yes, sir. And so I did. I was just so honored to be with him, and he mentored me for like 40 years in art, fabulous artist and lover of missions. He was one that encouraged me. And always made a place for me when I came back. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up doing a Master of Fine Art while I was home. And getting myself better. Then I was going to school at Mississippi College. Doing student work and things like that. Because I was home a certain length of time. My leave of absence went long, so I needed to find out what the next thing was going to be. And my position had closed down in West Africa. It was like so the, you, the, door, a, the door was closed. There wasn't basically. a chance you were going back to not, this place that not you to had that. loved. Right, to that ministry that, that I had loved. So I was like, okay, Lord, you know, what are we doing now? There was a worship service that I was at in a little church up in New England when I was visiting friends. And we were having this amazing prayer time, and I was on my knees, and I heard in my spirit, how far will you go with me? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to answer that question. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, what could that mean? <laughs> Africa but, wasn't far enough? Uh, you know, that was only 10,000 miles. And uh, so I'm thinking, and in my mind, I'm thinking Asia, and I'm like, Oh, well, that has never gone through my cerebral cortex before. That's never gone through my brain. I never had that idea, and I sure didn't plan it there. So God began to lead, and then there was a position that opened up, 
a brand new thing that was that was happening. And I ended up in South Asia, serving in South Asia. Doing art? Well, I was doing I was doing some art, but when I got there, they were literally rebuilding from zero almost. The area director had only been there for six months or so or nine months. And then my supervisor, Steve Evans, had been there just a little bit before me. Then I showed up. And so we were all really, there were several trying to figure out this new thing that God was doing. In a new and place. so what I said, I said, if, if we don't need art, right? what do you need? What do you need me to do? And so Steve said, I need you to help me do, we're looking at this thing called storying. And I had had some, a little bit of experience in West Africa by the, the ones that had started it in West Africa as just a pilot project, just a testing kind of thing. And so then we started launching teams out across the whole of South Asia, the Pac Rim. I saw God do some things. I just had the privilege of being up close and personal to watch God do what God, only God does. Yeah amazing things that he's doing all over the world. And you had a front row seat. Yeah, I did. You know, you just, all you do is you do what you can do that day because he's got the plan. I sure enough didn't have the plan. I did not have the plan. He had, he knew what he was doing. You know, I guess it was, I was being a wheel greaser. I did what I needed to do to help Sometimes that meant traveling a lot. Mm -hmm. I remember there was one year I was in my own bed 75 days that year. Wow. I thought, oh my goodness. Never would have dreamed it. Nobody could have told me. I saw lostness like I'd never seen it. Mm -hmm. And that'll grip your heart. I saw precious people that were like a young couple that was the only Christians. They were the only Christians in their whole village, and there weren't Christians for a long area. I saw one young man stand up in a conference that I had been asked to help with, and this little, this little man, really teeny, 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 tiny, he stood up in front of these people, very shy when he started, and then he said, I now know who Jesus is. Wow. My family does not. They have run me out of my village. And I'm going to go back. They want to kill me. But I'm going back. I have to go back. He said, and when I go back, they can chop me up in little bitty pieces. He said, but every little bitty piece of me is going to jump up and scream, Jesus! And I mean, I'm looking up there, my eye, I'm, I'm looking, my eyes are as big as they can go. And I'm thinking, this guy is nine feet tall with a boldness that can only be from God. Amazing. From all your experiences from 13 to that first, well, even farther back as a sunbeam to mm -hmm. that experience when you were 13 to all those places God took you around the world. Mm -hmm. 
What do you say to young college students today that you're trying to shape for God's kingdom? That you're trying to get them to answer God's call to say yes wherever he's leading? What do you say to those young people? First of all, that they are important. Because a lot of young people do not know that they are important. They do not know that they are loved. That they are valuable. That they have a lot to offer. I had one young, young girl, and I was teaching them how to, to sharpen a pencil with a razor blade. Okay, I mean, it's just an artistic, one artistic tool, the way that you do it, so you can get a very different look on the end of the pencil so you can get better techniques. And so I was, I was teaching that, and I noticed that she was backing up, and her eyes were big as saucers. I went over to her a little bit later, and she was almost trembling. She said, Miss D.P., do I have to do that? And I looked at her and said, no, darling, you don't. You can sharpen that pencil any way you want to. And she looked up at me with tears in her eyes and she said, Miss DP, I'm a cutter. And I backed up and I grinned. And of course, her jaw hit the floor. But God just, I mean, God put this love for her. I said, look. I said, look at you. She said, what? I said, darling, look at you. You're in college. You're here. You're taking courses. You're moving forward. You're learning. I'm so proud of you. And then all of a sudden, a grin started coming on her face. She didn't think she was worthy. She didn't know how much God loved her. So art may get me in the classroom, but that's not why I'm there. One boy came in, I saw him in class, and he was just distraught, but he wasn't saying anything. After class, when everyone had left, he came and he stuck his head back in and he looked around real quick and he said, Miss D.B., can I come talk to you? I said, absolutely, you come on in here. And he sat down, crocodile tears down this fine young man's face. And he talked about he had messed up. And he didn't know what he was supposed to do because he had had all these ministry plans. He had all of these plans that that he knew God wanted him to do, but he messed up. And I said, what's the cross about? And I grinned at him. I said, that's temporary. That is a speed bump on your life. That is not your life. You're coming through it, not to it. You're going to make your way through it. God is going to heal you. You confess it. The blood of the cross of Jesus Christ covers you, and you will walk forward. And then I love it because I get to grow them, walk with them from when they're, you know, you're really just not really, you're kind of half-baked when you get to college. (laughs) And I see these fine young adults when they walk out. Yeah. I got a wedding invitation. And he is launched face forward toward Christ. From the same gentleman that you just talked about? Yes. Wow. Praise God. And so it's all about what God does. What I try to remind them of, I don't care what your career is. I don't care what your your things are. 
it's where has God put you? And God has put me in some weird places. I never thought I'd be teaching artist anatomy. I mean, muscles and bones and all that kind of stuff, which artists are like, really? I said, well, yeah, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci were kind of... Yeah, they were kind of they, into it. They were into that too. Yeah. So really, where are you? And it's back to the question. Moses, what do you have in your hand? What, what, do you, what did I have in my hand? Was it a pencil? Was it a paintbrush? Whatever you have in one hand, you better have the Bible in the other. Because it's all about His Word. So I tell them to use their spiritual gifts wherever God plants them. Got one in seminary, one that's an artist at Lifeway, you know, different ones, and they're all over. The key thing is that they are going to be Christ in their situation to people who need them. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, who is our who? There's somebody that's close to us. What do we use? It's whatever's in your hand. Everybody needs encouragement. In this day and age, everybody's got two feet planted on turf of earth, needs encouragement. Prayer. I do prayer flares on my phone. I've got 30, 40 people right now praying for this interview. Catch tears. Listen. Pray and take the next step because none of us knows what tomorrow holds. You are absolutely right. If we stay in the Word and push in hard in prayer to the Lord of the Word, He will use our moments. And I think that's about all we can do. I, you know, my theme song is now moment by moment. <laughs> that's all. You know, it's just. It's one of those things we just, one moment at a time, because none of us know what tomorrow will bring. Absolutely. I've had two friends in the last two weeks go to glory. Surprised me, both of them. We don't have tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. There's somebody that we're going to call to make an order for something, and there's going to be a person on the other end of the line. The first thing I always want to do is to thank them. Thank you for being there. You are so much nicer to talk to than a machine. And before it's over, I want to say, how can I pray for you? So where has God put us? Use our spiritual gifts there. Mm-hmm. Who is our who? Mm-hmm. Everyone needs encouragement. Everyone needs prayer. Yes. Catch tears. Those two words pack a lot of power. Catch tears. And then pray and take the next step. So if you're listening today, think about where God has put you, what spiritual gifts He's given you, who needs you, who needs your encouragement, who needs your prayers, who needs you to catch their tears, and then pray and take the next step. DP, I want to thank you for being with me today. This has been quite the ride. (laughs) And I can tell you, the joy that I had back when I was a teenager Uh 
is mirrored today by the joy of being in the room with you. You are a gift from God, and I'm grateful that you would join me today. Thank you. Well, it is my pleasure, and I am so excited for where God has placed you. And I love that you are the you. You're the real deal, and that you are leading. I just wish I could ride a unicycle. Well, you know, hey. It may not be too late. Are you still breathing? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Okay. I, I teach my classes. The most important thing I teach them is yet. Yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the most important word they get in class. They can't ever say they can't, unless they put yet after it. Can't yet. <laughs> I think I need to go dig up my unicycle <laughs> and make sure my health insurance is paid up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thank you, DP. And thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations. See you next time.